Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. What is going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us on the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, awesome, incredible, amazing. The episode today is all of those things and more. And I don't know that it's in the way that ever you would expect, right? It's, it's a little, I mean, it gets real, real quick. And this is real life. You know, we, we talk about real life all the time, but this conversation really hit home for me and I know for you and, and I think will for a lot of our listeners, but um, man, we, we, we get into this one today. It was, it was uh, incredible. Well, it's a gift, right? It's a gift. And I am for anybody that knows me a little bit personally, I am want to, to go deep very quickly with people. And I love the capacity to have hard conversations and I, and I respect it and value it so much in people because what it means is that I trust you enough and you trust me enough that we can go there. And that not only that we've learned through experience that going there is what gets us to the other side eventually. And, and I think what Ryan does for the listeners and for us today is take us through the journey to the other side for him. And I think he would say the journey is, and we would all say, right, the journey is ongoing. It is concurrent. It is now. And that's what you mean by that. It's real life, right? This is happening. The conversation we have is about stuff that we're all potentially struggling with. And, uh, you know, it might not be addiction. It might not be um, imprisonment. It might not be being a bust. All of the things that might def- have defined Ryan Leaf at some point in his career, but he has defined himself differently now. And um, the gift that he gives in service to others and sharing and helping, man, uh, incredibly grateful he joined us to share that story and to challenge us with with what is amazing stuff. And if you're out there listening and you don't know who Ryan Leaf is, uh, just a short background, you know, grew up in Montana, the still the only kid from Montana to ever be drafted in the first round of the NFL was the number two overall pick was a Heisman finalist coming out of Washington state drafted right behind Peyton Manning. And he, he goes into this a little bit, but by the media's standards is considered a huge bust. I love his perspective on that and how he's been able to reframe that and look at, look, there's only 27,000 people that have ever signed NFL contracts. I'm one of them. That's not a bust, but anyway, and, and he's certainly had his ups and downs in, in substance abuse. And uh, he did some jail time and, and certainly found out who his support system was through that process. And, it's, it's an incredible journey uh, um, through this conversation, and I'm excited to share it with you. Yeah, and the, the other thing I would say is just get help if you need it, right? He, he talks about needing a support system, even if it's one person, like seek that out because that's in some ways what this conversation is about, and we've had other guests talk about that, but I would encourage you and implore you in whatever way you need to grow, seek other people farther along the path because they will help you walk that way in a much better way. Ryan Leaf. 
Ryan, welcome to the podcast. It's certainly an honor and a pleasure to have you here today and to share your story and your wisdom with all of our listeners. Uh, it's always funny to hear like I have wisdom. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I'm really grateful where I'm at and I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, anything, anything I can do to help. So I, we were just talking before we hit record, you know, you're a super busy guy right now, especially on Mondays, apparently, but you got a bunch of stuff going on. What are you up to these days? Um, what are you working on? Those sorts of things. Well, you know, 2020 was such a, uh, a year that kind of made us feel like we didn't have a lot of control over anything. So when 2021 came, I really, you know, I, I've been wanting to start my own show for a while. So, you know, I just kind of took the initiative and, and started a, a YouTube show and and I do that Monday, Wednesday, Friday for an hour really uh, revolves around the world of sports, of course, but you know anything that involves me has to be a little messed up. Um, and, and so it, 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 it deals with mental health, uh, substance abuse too, which is kind of my story, especially in the opens. And we've just started, we launched a week ago. So we've only done four shows, um, but we're, we're, the response has been great. Just excited to do something like that. And we just kind of took a little bit of the control back this year. So that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, continuing to work with, with Sirius XM on all the bunch of their platforms from their, you know, ESPNU platform to the NFL radio side to the, even the PAC 12 network side of it. Um, so when I get opportunities to do that, I, I, I stay connected that way. But uh, as for traveling, you know, speaking and things like that, that I was doing a ton of before, you know, pre pandemic, uh, pretty much been at home and, uh, uh and also kind of reinvested in the, the recovery side of things and, and, and how I give back and how I help. Um, I feel like I may have taken that for granted a little bit over the last, you know, two years, really busy working with ESPN and traveling. And, and, and I kind of just uh, repurposed that, you know, went back to the foundation of things and, uh, and really been a, a big part of 2021 so far for me. Your story is incredible. Um, you know, I'm reading ESPN this weekend and Mel Kuyper has a top quarterback he's ever evaluated, uh, you know, because Trevor Lawrence is a huge deal and is on that list. And you happen to be on that list as well. You know, number two overall pick Heisman finalist up in Pullman, Washington. And for those of you who haven't been to Pullman, you know, it's kind of blink and you miss it. And so to, to do that for the Cougs and your story as an athlete was incredible. You obviously had all the physical tools. We work with athletes on the mental side. What was that like for you, the mental struggle when you got to the league and it wasn't going the way that you wanted it to? Because I think we all have athletes or coaches that we, we have that athlete that we know we're like, man, if we could get through, right. you know, what did that look like for you? Well, it was, a, it was a complete implosion. It was utter frustration, anger, uh, defensiveness, all the things that I had exhibited my whole life. The only difference was, um, I could always go out and perform, but this is, you know, this is at the most elite level of sport. And if you're not able to function with your central nervous system, you know, from Sunday to Sunday, instead of battling all these different animals, the media, the fans, teammates, coaches, ownership, I mean, all the things that should be support staffs for you instead were, um, were, were problems you know, my, my world just absolutely imploded because I didn't have the coping skills. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're living life uh, 
as a professional football player or as, you know, a regular civilian, if you're not able to cope with life's adversities, regardless of what they are or circumstance, you're not going to be able to function well. And that just certainly was the case for me. And uh, you don't get a very, you don't get a very long leash there because they'll figure that out quickly and they'll move on quickly. And that's the way it should be. I mean, this is the highest level of competition you can imagine and we get paid handsomely. So um, it's unfortunate. Yes, but it wasn't the end of the world. I just made it into the end of the world and that's all on me. I love how you've owned that in the last eight years or so, you know, like since you, you know, your story gets more complicated and more interesting in just a second, but in, and the reality is, is you've, you've taken that to say, this doesn't define me any longer. And one of the quotes I've seen is that you can start now, right? You can start again and have a different ending, right? You have a lot of people have defined your ending because you were not a successful football player, but like you are now making a huge impact. Well, speaking, not a successful, indeed. not a successful football player is probably debatable, Jamie. Incredibly, incredibly successful debatable. football player. Incredibly successful football player. So absolutely, yeah. That's the that's the thing. The word "bust" is so um, misused because it's only used by media and fans. Um, you you would never hear a peer yeah. say that. There there are only twenty seven thousand of us ever to play professional football in the hundred years of, of professional football. So, but I bought into that. I yeah. really did. I, I saw myself as a failure and it took me down a, a hole that um, almost was in a, almost to a place where I couldn't, I couldn't crawl out of. Luckily I was able to, and, and develop an understanding of what, um, of what my story really was. And that, it was one of success rather than failure. And, um, uh, and it was a human experience. And so um, it's just, it just took time. And, and luckily for me, I was still here to, to fully understand that, develop this new perspective and, and then live the life that I get to live for the, hopefully the next 40 or 50 years. What did it take for you to recognize that or, or learn that? I mean, do you, I mean, I, I think by all accounts, people would say, and I think I've heard you say, I, you know, I hit rock bottom and I think rock, maybe rock bottom is, is different and maybe not the right term, but I think it's, everybody kind of has a different point where they have the potential to learn that. What was that point for you where you kind of learned that you weren't a failure, you were actually incredibly successful? Well, I, I mean, I, I'm human still. I still fight with that all the time. Like, uh, what if, but, uh, now, I don't know if I ever really hit rock bottom. Um, you know, prison wasn't a deterrent. You'd think trying to take my own life would have been a rock bottom, but you know, I think rock bottom would have ultimately been if you just didn't get back up, if you if you just stayed down. I think that's rock bottom. Um, the fact that I just kept getting back up is 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 the answer to all this, and so. I don't know if there was a moment I can look back on it now and see that moment when I was in prison and, and my roommate, you know, convinced me to go be of service to other, uh, to, a, to other human beings. And that ultimately was the moment, but I, I didn't see it when it was happening. Right. It was just something I did and something I continued to do. And nine years later, now I can look back on it and go, Oh, okay. 
like that was the that was the moment or that was the epiphany but you don't see it you don't see it when you're going through it uh at all um you just have to um, have hope and it's really a leap of faith when you're going through that process because you you have no idea i mean i had no idea when i walked out of prison right i had no money my credit score was like 500 i didn't have a place to live um, there wasn't people offering me jobs. Uh, every um, talking head about me was what a miserable human being, waste of life, loser I was. Um, you know, my hometown paper was writing jokes about me when I was, uh, it was announced that I was getting out of prison. There was a cartoon in my hometown newspaper saying, you know, lock up your medicine cabinets, Ryan Leaf's back on the loose. I mean, so um, there, I, I just had this hope and uh that things could get better not knowing that any of it could or would um and i just i just started one foot in front of the other and it's been an amazing you know you know six years really since i got out um and i'm incredibly grateful for it who who was it beyond just your your cellmates or that was there to invest in you? Cause it sounds like on the exterior, right. There wasn't a lot of support system left for you. <laughs> no, there wasn't, there wasn't any, uh, there wasn't, there was him. He was, you know, I don't know why he felt like he needed to help me. My, my, my family, my immediate family, my mother, my father, my two brothers, two younger brothers, uh, they never gave up on me. So it was really us five against the world. And I think it still kind of is. Now, since, you know, getting to California, uh, when I went to treatment after I got out of prison, um, there, there, are, there ended up being plenty of people in my life that, that started to support me and show up for me and really have helped guide me to where I'm at right now. Interesting enough, uh, some of those individuals who fell off when my life was in, was in chaos, have kind of started to come, come back or try to come back. And, uh, you know, I don't resent them anymore, but I also don't have to let them be a part of my life either. I can just wish them well and hope they find the peace and, um, you know, serenity I've found. That's, that's the best medicine I've found for, for people who may have wronged me or I felt wrong by him or I resent them for some reason. That seems to be the best medicine for me uh, going through this. So I heard you on some friends of ours, the iron horse podcast a few weeks ago with David and, and Brandon, and right. you talked about a mantra that you kind of developed over time. And I think it was something and correct me, fill, fill in the blanks, but it's something like what other people think of me is none of my business. It's perfect. Exactly the same. Uh, so uh, how has that process of developing that for yourself and that practice of that impacted in, and shaped who you are or, or what you're doing now? Well, it's muscle memory. Um, it's something my therapist suggested to me as an affirmation, uh, saying it every morning when I would wake up in the, in the mirror and uh, it's had its effect. And I remember initially when I started saying it in the mirror, I didn't believe it. Because uh, I, I cared greatly about what other people thought of me, and, and I, you know, because I always felt judged and less than, and and so I started doing it, and you know, every morning, and like 
I don't know how long it took, but I, I tell people when I recommend it to them, I said, try it for 365 days. Just try it for your brain memorizes it. It starts to believe it. The muscle in your, your mind, which is the strongest one. And now when I wake up in the morning and I say it, I mean, it's just, it's just natural. I believe it. It comes off my tongue. I, I don't care what you think about me because it's certainly not in my business. None of my business, you know, the people that, that I care about are my son, um, you know, my employers, I, I care about what they think of me because it's, it's my livelihood and it's, it's my life, but you know, outside noise does nothing for you. All it can do is build resentment and anger and fear and judgment, all that, all those things I've been trying for so long to get rid of. So it works. And I, I, I recommend it to athletes all the time uh, in this day and age with social media and uh, TMZ and all of these things. It's something I really work on with guys when I travel around the country and speak to teams. Has that helped you? I, would, I imagine it has, but to be transparent about your experience, because I think a lot of people could say this experience has shaped me and changed me, but I'm going to keep it close to the people that matter, you know, and you know, we, I think it would have, I, I, at first I thought it would have, I, I didn't think that I needed to share it, but, um, but men who are smarter than me, who, who mentor me and who I go to for advice, you know, they use this, this line. Um, and at first I didn't quite understand what it was. And it, it was, you can't keep it unless you give it away. And what they meant by keeping it is this peaceful, unchaotic life that you, you find the only way for you to keep it is to give it away. And that means to share your story vulnerably and transparently um, in the hopes of helping somebody else who still struggles. That's ultimately the reason why. And I found it doesn't cost me a thing to be honest and uh, transparent and vulnerable. It doesn't. It doesn't cost me a, a single thing at all. In fact, it, um, it, it builds me up it really does. It really builds me up. It takes the power away of like the word bust or, or the idea of people thinking of me as a failed football player or anything like that, or as a failed person, you know, I'm like everybody else. I'm a flawed human being uh, trying to be better every single day, just like everybody else. So uh, it's helped a ton. So speaking of that, getting better every day, I mean, that's, that's really what we are about at Eyes Up Mindset is how do we take steps intentionally every day to improve in some area, whether it's athletics or life. Other than the mantra, is there anything else, any other practices that you've kind of developed that are kind of daily practices that help you kind of look toward getting better every day? Yeah, prayer, meditation, you know, being, being still. You know, I, I feel like I vibrated for years. It just, you know, it was the anxiety that existed in my life. Um, so praying and, and meditation on a daily basis is huge. Start your morning with, with that just to kind of build, uh, exercise has been huge for me. Um, uh, what I feel my body with nutrition has been a big change for me during this pandemic. I just made a conscious choice with my nutritionist to, to change and, you know, last July, almost a year, I guess we're coming up on a year here soon. Uh, we just chose to go a different direction. We changed my, my meal plan. I have a three-year-old, like I said, and I want to be around forever with him. I want to watch this kid grow up and do 
amazing things and I want to be here. So I've, I lost like 75 pounds during uh, this pandemic. Um, a lot of people went the other way, you know, and, and, uh, and all it's been is, is, is eating correctly and doing a little hiking here or there and playing a bunch of golf. That's a huge part of my, my mental state to being outdoors during a time where people are telling you to stay isolated, stay inside, don't socialize. Golf is huge, right? You go out for four or five hours in nature outdoors where you're socially distant from, from people, but you still can be social with them for, for that amount of time. It saved my mental state uh, over the last you know, year of this pandemic. I, I, I can't help but laugh, but I, I mean, I think people are going to, people who play golf and Jamie and I both are, are pretty avid golfers. A lot of people hearing, hearing you say that golf saved your mental state. A lot of people go the other way and say, golf drives me crazy, but I absolutely agree with you a hundred percent that being outdoors engaged in something that, that, um, takes your mental capacity, your physical, you know, all of those things combined is, is a huge thing during this time. So, yeah. And I, I also, you know, do a lot of readings. Uh, I journal when I can, I make a gratitude list. Uh, I, I, I'm part of 12 step member, uh, fellowships. Um, I see a therapist, um, I see a co-parenting therapist with, with, with my kid's mom, you know, all of these things that, um, I think a lot would have aligned with what weakness was in the past for me because I was a big, strong football player and I got this yeah. all figured out and taken care of. Um, that shapes um, where I go moving forward. And I'm perfectly okay with that. We talk a lot with our athletes about the way that we think controls a lot of who we become, right? And the right. outcomes that we get in life. How does that stuff or going back to doing the 12 steps or, or being in therapy, how does that stuff shape your thought process around failure or shame or these challenges that so many of us face day to day? It helps a ton because, you know, muscle memory, how we did something for years and years and years or how we thought or are triggered by and because of post-traumatic stress or something like that need to be counseled. And so that's the big reason why I do it because, uh, you know, when I hear, uh, when I hear constructive criticism from loved ones, um, you know, around raising my kid or being a good partner, all this stuff, I, I can take it very personally because just for the longest time, it was just, I was berated by the media and by fans and by people. And, and it's all I heard was judgment. And uh, it can take me in a, in a, in a, in a place where I spin out. And uh, that's why those, those things are so helpful. They help me utilize grounding techniques, um, positive self-talk, um, empathy, it's a big one, right? Putting myself in their shoes and not, you know, not flipping it around with judgment of my own. That's, that's been a big part of it. Identifying what emotions I'm actually feeling in that moment. Why, you know, that's, that's been huge too. And addressing it, talking about it, um, you know, and not, not hiding it because it's a dirty little secret or something like that. You know, the stigma has, has, ruined and uh, destroyed a ton of lives because of people's unwillingness to share their struggles because they're worried about what other people 
think I, I, I keep this one written down. I can't believe I haven't memorized this one yet, but I use it in my speeches all the time, but I always have to go to it and make sure I, I say it right. The thought that someone might know you need help is worse than not getting the help that you need. And that that's super powerful because you're so worried about what other people think that, that you're in treatment or you're seeing a counselor or you're bipolar or you have a mental health disorder. You're so worried about that, um, that that is the worst than, than getting the help that you need. And that that's, that's really harmful to our, to our human beings. Brene Brown was on a podcast with Pete Carroll and Steve Kerr flying coach. And she said that sh vulnerability in other people looks like courage, but vulnerability in me feels like shame or weakness. Right. Yep. And I, and to me, your story has been one of courage, right? It, it's not, you know, not defined by the ending that so many of the media and the pundits might say that it was, it's, it's a, it's vulnerability is a sign of strength and just the conversation we're having right now. But if, if you follow your social media or if you're, you've heard you on other podcasts or your shows, like you are completely transparent about the challenges that you have. And even talking about using grounding techniques, you know, it's seeing a therapist. A lot of people would still think, Hey, that's way too vulnerable for me to share, you know? And, um, well, to me, and, it's and courage. That's, that's that's up to, that's up to the person, right? You know, yeah. my 12 step program is anonymous, but you know, once, once I've found this peace in, in, in serenity, like, um, it's, it's a badge of honor for me. And I, and I want, and it's not like I went through this thing, not in a public way. I went through and destroyed so many lives in my addiction, in my mental illness, that my recovery is going to be the same. It's going to be, very public. It's going to, it's going to connect to a bunch of people. That's the best way for me to put it. Well, how, it's gonna, it how I, how I was in addiction is going to be how I am in recovery on full force. And it's going to save lives and it's going to repair lives, you know? And, and I think that's the thing that I keep getting from you again, whether it's your social media or this conversation today is how do I serve people? And I think that's an incredible calling and uh, something to, for all of us, to take up and how do we serve in our, in our families, in our communities, with our teams, with wherever we are, what can we do to serve? And, and for that, I think it's, it's incredible. And, you know, we have a million questions we could ask you and I go ahead, keep coming. Go. Go. We got, we got plenty of time. Go for it, Jamie. Go you're the it. question guy. So let's go into your substance abuse issue. Cause I have connections to it. I think many of us have connections to people that have dealt with substance abuse and, and wrapping our head around it, you know, when there's somebody we love or we care about is like, how aware were you that there was a problem before you did anything about there being a problem? Like, and how, how do you encourage others to take, you said it earlier, like just day after day, one foot in front of the other, you know, how do you encourage people to go there? Because it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, I could not go one day without trying to feel altered. Um, because I was so fearful of actually sitting in these feelings of, of fear and less than and depression, all the, all the things that existed. So it is the, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, and, um, I, I knew where I was at because I would, I would look at myself in the mirror at night and go, you are, you are just a, 
you are such a piece of shit junkie. That's, that's, I remember saying that to myself over and over and over again. Um, knowing I needed help and I would yell, yell out to no one in particular into the, you know, whatever higher power that I, I wasn't certainly believing in the time that I needed help. Somebody please help me, but I couldn't do it to anybody face to face. And also I liked it. I liked not feeling anything. I liked the feeling that the, the opiate gave me it and they're painkillers for a reason. That's what they're called. They kill your pain and they were killing mine. It was just emotional pain that I was in and it was doing its job. So why would I, why would I want to stop doing that? Unless you know anything else, you're going to go with what, you know, what got you there. And luckily enough for me, um, I'm a horrible criminal and was found out immediately. And, um, and because of my celebrity of, or notoriety or whatever, consequences were swift and public. And it probably saved my life. So I get a lot of that from people about how courageous it was for having to go through all this in public. And I said, hey, there are so many of, of human beings out there that are going through what I went through in the dark where we just never hear from them again. Mine was shown this giant magnify, uh, this giant um, spotlight because of, you know, because I'm the greatest bust ever. Right. So it, you know, I'm almost grateful of, of that because it saved my life. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the consequences uh, and the, the notoriety that came with my downfall. I, I certainly know that to be true. So you're working with people in recovery or on the road to recovery now. How do you use that to help them other than telling your story? You know, what, what things are you doing with them to help them on that, in that process? Well, I have a nonprofit that, that uh, raises money for essentially scholarships for people who can't afford to go to treatment because I know how expensive it was. And I wouldn't have been able to go if it weren't for uh, some NFL grants that were available to me. Uh, when I got out of prison and I needed, needed to go to treatment for help. Um, so I start with that. And uh, then I pretty much am a recovery advocate in any way, shape or form. And I use a lot of tough love with it. Like, you know, usually when you come to, to me, you've been through this for a while and you have some semblance of what recovery could look like. And that means meetings and sponsors and rehab and, all these things that exist. So I'm pretty, you know, pretty tough on that end of things, right? I asked a simple question, you know, what are you willing to do to stay sober? You know, and I, before they even answer my, my response is if the, if the answer isn't anything, then there really isn't anything I can do for you. This is a, this is a selfish program. Uh, you have to want it. People cannot want it more for you. I mean, if that were the case, I would have gotten sober years and years and years before, uh, because my parents wanted me to, who loved me to get sober before that, right? So it's it's a terribly personal uh, program that we work, uh, and you have to be able to do it yourself. Um, and when you do that, it it provides the best version of yourself. So you then can be the things you need to be for the loved ones that have always wanted you to be living this kind of life. Is the first step admitting it? I mean, I, I know that's maybe sounds cliche, but. Is that the first step or how do you it, it, I mean, it, it, I guess you got, I mean, I guess you got it, but I was, you know, there was plenty of times where I admitted like to myself, um, 
you know, there's a problem. Ultimately, uh, it's about surrender and radical acceptance, like surrendering that I am incapable of doing this and I need to accept help, whatever that help looks like. Um, Because a lot of people will admit they have a problem, but then when somebody comes with a solution that is, you know, you know, with a program or a way to do it, they'll be like, you know, that I don't, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do it that way. And my response always back to that is like your way, my way doesn't work. Like our way, our best thinking takes us to prison cells or, or, you know, passed out on somebody's lawn or in handcuffs, right? That's, that's what our way does. So your way doesn't work. You have to go a different way. And there are a bunch of guys here that were exactly where you were and they know the way out. So grab a hold and follow. And that's the best advice I can give. And it's exactly what I did. I mean, it's what I did. I went, you know, my sponsor's 30, 33 years sober now, I think. And so, you know, I, I, you know, put my nose firmly right on the, on his back, back of his back and followed him around for months, you know, and still go to him for, advice on life decisions because you know i just i fuck them up i just do i make poor choices and uh i need help with that and uh and if and by continuing to do that i end up making the right choices and i'm not going to fix what ain't broken right now you talk about this radical acceptance like how much of that starts from just complete humility and and where does that begin, right? Where does that process of humility begin to be able to get to that point? I I mean, looking in the mirror, like looking in the mirror, knowing like, I remember when I finally had that kind of realization, I could look in the mirror and say, Ryan, especially when I was in prison, Ryan, you're here because of what you did, not anybody else. Like I blamed everybody else. I blamed the NFL, the media, um, doctors, um, family, everybody my hometown. I blamed everybody. And uh, you cannot control what other people do. So once you're able to accept that you're here, you're exactly where you are right now because of what you've done, what you did. I think that was the shift, right? That was that there's, there's humility in that where you're not blaming anybody else and you're not playing the victim anymore. I, I thought I was a victim for so long and uh, you cannot control one other thing than except how you react to any situation. And so I think that's the humility side of it. Um, I think humility, the definition is um, knowing who you are and you're okay with that. That's what humility is to me. So what do you, when you look at yourself in the mirror now, what do you see? I see a flawed human being who, you know, continues to struggle, but, uh, um, has a roadmap and is going to follow it and uh, believes if I do what I did yesterday, today, I'll wake up and, and, and be able to go about it again tomorrow. That's really all it is. I don't, I don't see myself as a redemption story. I don't see myself as a, somebody with all the answers. I don't see myself as better than or more successful or anything like that. I don't, I don't view it as that. I have to fight tooth and nail, you know, because of, because of my mental illness, of my, of my 
less than complex and you know it uh it's not as it's not a heavy battle every single day but sometimes it can be i just launched my show last monday should have been a great week this weekend i was an absolute mess i was there i was just filled with fear this weekend for no apparent reason am i being a good enough father am i there for him enough um you know this covid and keeping me home and keeping me out of work and supporting my family and myself is it you know, am I doing enough? And I mean, there was just a ton of fear this weekend. You know, and I, I, I talked about it in my open on my show today. Yeah. And that's the transparency and the vulnerability part because, you know, we live in this Instagram world where everybody showcases what, what's going great in their lives. And my life is, should look like it's going pretty well right now. But I, for whatever reason, was had that black curtain over me and I didn't want to get out of bed. And, yeah. you know, so... That's just, this is how it goes. It's light. So where, where, when that is going on, do you find confidence or do you find the capacity to take the next step? Well, I, I speak out about it. I have, you know, I have, you know, a, a system of individuals. I talked to a friend of mine yesterday afternoon um, and just kind of told her how, how I was feeling. And she was, she, we have this kind of relationship where we're just, completely honest with one another. And she's, she wanted to know where, you know, if I could identify the emotions, we figured out it was just fear, um, yeah. irrational fear over really nothing because of, you know, being, being locked up in your house for a year, you know, your, your kind of livelihood going away. Um, you know, not as much time with your kid. Is that, is that a, a negative effect? Am I being a good father? Um, am I not being active enough? You know, why am I just sitting around watching TV today rather than being outside on a hike or something like I just so, you know, it's negative self-talk. So, um, you know, we we identified it. We talked about it. I felt the 100 percent better when we got off the phone, um, you know, set up my day for Monday with with how busy it was. Made sure I I got a, a moment with my therapist today just to kind of talk it out and go, you know, why do you think this is why do you think? I all of a sudden was overwhelmed with, with negativity. Um, and, and so we addressed it, but that's, I think that's, that's life. And people are so afraid to admit that stuff because they're afraid that other people are going to look at them funny. Like what's, what's the guy supposed to have everything going on? Why, why is he, you know, I don't want to hear that shit. And so we, we keep quiet. Ryan, can you hit me with that quote one more time? Um, the thought of somebody knowing that I need help is worse than actually getting the help I need. Is that what? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the thought that someone might know you need help is worse than not getting the help that you need. I think that's an incredible bow to, to wrap up this conversation is, you know, one, don't go it alone. There's people out there. And, and even if it's one person, right, you talked about a limited support group when you kind of were coming back up and, if it's one person, pour into them, lean into them, follow them. Grab sometimes hold it's and just, follow. yeah. Sometimes it's just telling another person. I, my, my my direct messages are open on all my social media networks, and you would not believe in the last year since this pandemic started, well, I've probably received about ten thousand messages from people. And sometimes it's just a matter of they needed to tell me that they were struggling with something, and they saw a clip or her on a podcast that gave them some hope and they're 
five days sober now, or they went and found a therapist. Um, that's what the connection is, what it's all about. And that's the hugest uh, part of all this, the connected quality of, of, of being a human being. And that message rings true to us. And uh, I'm incredibly grateful that you gave us your time today and the words that you have has an impact. I know that that being told that by your cellmate, you know, in, in your player's tribune article, that was the moment where you realized, Hey, I have something to offer here. And we all do. And we all do. Yeah. yeah. That you just like, I thought what I could offer was, was what I did on Saturdays and Sundays. That's, yeah. that's, that's not it. And I thought that was all my worth was wrapped up in. Right. And it's, it's not, I mean, every human has so much worth wrapped up inside them. I guarantee you, if we flip this around and I ask you questions about your life or you told me your stories, I would be inspired because you're here still. You're, every human's gone through adversity uh, and it would be motivational and inspirational. I know it for a fact because I hear it all the time when I go to meetings and I hear people tell my story, but in their own words uh, and it's inspiring. So um, everybody has, has a light uh, that they can give to others. So Ryan, you mentioned your social media, your, your direct messages, where can people reach out to you if, if they are wanting to share that with you or just want to follow your stuff and, and be inspired by kind of your journey? At Ryan D. Leaf, uh, subscribe to the Ryan D. Leaf show on YouTube. Um, and uh, you can go to theryandleaf.com, which is, uh, tells you exactly where, where we're going to be, what we're doing, all the things that we need. And if you, want, if you need somebody to talk to or reach out, Focus Intensity Foundation uh, it is the uh, nonprofit that we work with, focusintensity.org. So there are plenty, plenty of ways to go about it. I appreciate you guys taking the time, giving me an opportunity to, to, to give back um, and keep doing what you're doing. Thanks again to Ryan Leaf for joining us. Go check out his stuff. If you are in any way needing some help or have some struggles and you need someone to, to share it with and you don't feel like you have someone, he just said it, Jamie. Like, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm doing. That is why I'm living my life right now. What an incredible act of, of service. And, you know, he, he kind of scoffed a little bit sometimes at our saying, hey, this is not a redemption story, right? He said, I'm not a redemption story. I'm a human being. And and I applaud him for that. And I, I think ultimately that's was my biggest takeaway of this is a couple of things that he said. One, we all have worth. Everybody has worth. And the reality is he's heard other people tell his story in their own words in those meetings, right? And And led him to this point where it's like, hey, we're all flawed trying to get better every day. Hopefully we're trying to get better every day. Right. But the first part of that is we're all flawed. Now you have a choice. Do you choose to try to get better every day and one foot and step one foot in front of the other, or you go the other way and, and ultimately it's up to you. I, I heard two things beyond that. Obviously that message that you just spoke is incredibly powerful. And it, I, I told him when we finished, like I had goosebumps through a lot of what he was talking about because it rang true from my experience. And, and beyond that, I just know it, it matters to so many people, the work that he's doing. But the two other things I heard there are that those consequences saved me, right? That consequence 
saved me. And we oftentimes want to focus on a negative consequence being only a negative, but in retrospect, in hindsight, we can learn so much more from the consequence than if we never stop to reflect on it. And, and I just think that's powerful. Well, and I'm going to, you know, we, a few episodes ago, we kind of had a thing where we talked about changing one word, right? I'm going to give you a suggestion here. What if you change consequence to result? Yeah. Right. The result of this situation, it takes away some of the negativity, right? Yes. It might not be something that you want. It might hurt a little bit or be uncomfortable as far as this is the result of my choice. Right. I've heard him on other podcasts talk about just the lack of accountability and, and what is the best thing you can do for your kids, your teams, your athletes, hold them accountable. Create a consequence that has a response, create a result that has a response that we can learn from and grow from. And he talked about, you know, jail being to many of us, the worst possible consequence being a great result for him because it's brought him to here today. And, and the other piece of that, that is directly connected to his experience in prison is community, right? He had to find this place to do it with other people. And it's, it rings true to who we are, right? We've talked from the very beginning about connecting with others and that this thing he said, human connection is what it's all about. It is. That's it. It is. And if you aren't finding that, reach out to us, reach out to him, connect with other people so that you have a place to go. Any port in the storm, right? Any port in the storm, let us be that, let him be that. Go find somebody you trust because connection is what's going to bring us through the struggle. And as always, live eyes up.